Have you ever considered investing money in something you really believe in? Of course you have. I do it at Starbucks all the time. What about seasoned investors who understand their industry really well? They know where the safe bets lie. They're practiced at how to vet opportunities, and they become seasoned because of the choices they inevitably learn to make. So what happens when something goes really, really wrong for a really, really seasoned investor? Welcome back to Why Are We Shouting? With me, Jill Salzman, here to help entrepreneurs get down to business. I want to talk to you about small business blunders, ways that entrepreneurs shine, and valuable lessons about growing your biz. Why? Because I run the number one platform that helps mom entrepreneurs to build better businesses. It's called The Founding Moms, and we're always looking for women like you who want to join our community so that we can help you get better at branding, marketing, and sales. It's a pretty awesome place. You can see it for yourself at foundingmoms.com. This week, you get to meet brilliant entrepreneur and invest her, Liz Faircloth, who will enlighten you as to how very wrong a real estate transaction can go. And it's not pretty. It's time for a big business blunder. Meet Liz Faircloth. She co-founded the DeRosa Group in 2005 with her husband, Matt. And they're on a mission to transform lives through real estate. DeRosa controls $60 million worth of residential and commercial assets up and down the East Coast. Liz is also the co-founder and CEO of the Real Estate Invest Her community. It helps to elevate women's financial literacy and the impact she's making, it's gonna have effects for generations to come. She's the co-host of the Real Estate Invest Her show and she recently published her first book. It's called Only Woman in the Room, Knowledge and Inspiration from 20 Successful Real Estate Women Investors. Her business blunder is big, real big, because it involves a lot of dollars and even more craziness than you'd imagine would happen in the respectable world of real estate investments. So last year, two major things happened in, in our business, in uh, my, the business that I have with my husband, the DeRosa Group. First, we were under contract to buy our largest asset to date, which was a 198-unit apartment building in, in North Carolina, which was really exciting for us. It was a goal of ours uh, to 10 times our rental portfolio. So it was a really big one for us, and we were on track to achieve it. We had it under contract. Uh, again, this is like probably November timeframe of last year. Mm -hmm. So uh, the second major event in our business was deciding to sell one of our largest assets to date, which was an 18 unit. And that was actually in uh, located in Northeast Philadelphia. And we weren't planning on selling it, but about six months prior to finding the uh, building in uh, Fayetteville, somebody had approached us and it was like, this is the right time. You know, it's the right time to sell. We we're going to be able to do a 1031 exchange, which is in a nutshell, 
uh, you know, deferring paying capital gains taxes on an investment property when, uh, when you sell it. So you're basically rolling that profit into a new purchase. Uh, and you could do research on that. But we said, okay, awesome. So we decided to get that under contract much earlier in the year. So we lined up closing for the 18 unit, uh, it, again, like in the uh, October timeframe. And we needed to find a 1031 exchange company to hold our sales proceeds so that we can roll it into the 198-unit apartment complex later in the year, okay? So everything kind of has to happen in, in sequence or this just won't happen, you know, won't be able to happen. So my husband had done some research, found a company that was highly recommended on several online sites, uh, had a very professional sounding staff. When we called them, their fees were very reasonable and, you know, we decided to move forward with this company. For those of you who aren't familiar with real estate shenanigans, that makes two of us. All you need to know is that Liz and her husband had set up a specific sequence of events in order to buy a building, a 198-unit apartment building, their largest asset to date. We're talking big deal. Huge. But that mention of highly recommended on several online sites, does that also have you throwing your antennae up? I mean, it's not like the rest of us don't trust 99% of what we see online, but still. So we closed on that 18 unit. We wired them uh, the 750000 in proceeds. Uh, some of that was principal, was like our investors, um, you know, principal. And, and then uh, quite a bit of it was profit. So all that money was getting uh, put into the new project in North Carolina. None of our investors wanted their money back. They said, roll it all into the profit as well as their um, kind of original capital into the uh, new project. Very exciting. North Carolina project continued to proceed. And we were about, about two weeks away from closing. My husband had spoken to the uh, 1031 exchange company a few times. But about a week out of closing, he called the office only to get, you know, the voicemail. No callbacks. If your stomach isn't dropping, you may have to rewind and listen again. Liz and her husband transferred $750,000 and then didn't hear a peep from the folks who were on the receiving end. Not a word. So what's a real estate pro to do? We had an attorney send a stern email like, hey, you know, this is getting ridiculous. We're getting closer and closer to closing. We need to know how to get the $750,000 into, you know, the, the hands of the, of the new project. We did some digging. Uh, you know, and we basically found something on, you know, Bigger Pockets uh, forum, and it was an online discussion about this particular company. And as we're reading the posts from these investors, our heart like literally just sank because what they were saying was not positive. A lot of them were basically saying that they had lost their 1031 money, they're filing, you know, a lawsuit against this company. It just wasn't positive. So that whole recommended on several sites thing, it feeds into where our optimism lies. We don't ever start by digging up dirt on folks that we want to do business with. It's not the way that our minds work. Think about the last restaurant you went to because of great online reviews. You might have even seen one or two people write up what a bad experience they had. But you likely ignored it, wrote it off. Because, you know, that's just one or two people. Liz didn't even make it to the bad reviews until she got suspicious. And the same internet that gave her the positivity delivered quite the opposite in that forum. 
just hold on here because, yeah, it gets worse. More investigation, more digging, talking to some of these investors. We found out that this, this company and this gentleman who ran it was basically running a Ponzi scheme for years, taking the 1031 proceeds and using that money to buy his own assets, buy his own, you know, his own real estate and, and wow. who knows what else. So to add to the drama, we found out that this, the, you know, the person in this, you know, in this uh, situation, the one that pretty much took our money was in a car fire and was pretty much unconscious, unconscious in the ICU. All of this happening within 10 days of, uh, <laughs> of needing the money, $750,000 to close mm. our new project. Heart sinking all around, huh? There are thieves everywhere. But when you've come that far in your career and you're taken by someone bold enough to steal that much money from you, it's not exactly the experience you could ever plan for. I remember the day my husband walked in and he's just like, I'm just like, because it finally sought in, sunk in like what's going on. And like, I start crying. He started crying. Our son never sees us both cry. And he, my son was just like, what happened? What happened? He's four years old. And, and my, my husband's like, um, someone took our, took our money. Someone stole our money. He's like, oh, I have some money and like took out a dollar. You know, I was like, my heart was like, oh my God. It was a rough couple of days, but one thing that we couldn't, we, we had no, we weren't able to give up. Not that we would give up, but we had our investors' money to yes. fight. And, and we also had to get to closing because at least we now had a property. So we had two problems to solve. The first problem was getting funds to get to closing because now we're, um, you know, 750000 shy of, of the amount we're supposed to be uh, bringing to the table. And the second issue is obviously the, you know, the harder one with where our investors, it was our investors' money. So mm -hmm. the first issue, we ended up just tapping into people we knew and people that liked and respect us. And we ended up getting a short-term bridge loan, it's called. Basically, some of the hard money, but it got us to closing and, uh, you know, and we were able to at least have that. And it wasn't all 750000 because some of that money was startup capital, uh, you, know, ch you know, improving the property. So we actually didn't need seven fifty total. We did, you know, in a, in a long-term perspective. But short-term, we just needed like, I think, half that to get to closing. It hit them hard. They cried. Can I tell you how much I love that they not only cried, but admit that they cried? It's cathartic. And no one is beyond it, even in business. Then they solved something. They could have chosen a million different ways to go about it, from drumming up lawyers to wallowing in their newfound misery. But they nailed it. They figured out exactly how to find help and leaned on people who trusted them. In a pinch, that's always the way to go, even if you're not sure how you're going to fix the problem. It takes a village, right? The second problem was the harder one. In other words, how do, you, how do we cover our investors from the 1031 exchange? We had two choices, okay? Now, we could have gone back to them and said, hey, this happened. We're really sorry. And we're going to do our best to get the money back. Or we had the other choice where we could have given up uh, percent, a percentage of what we own in the building. Now, we don't own 100% of the 198. That's how we're able to do these projects. We owned, uh, you know, we were going to own probably about 23% or something in that ballpark. We ended up having to give 18% of our 23. So we own very little of the building right now. Um, however, we were able to make up all the, call them shares of our investors. Mm -hmm. 
So now they're not getting their money back, but they're getting their percentage in the new building, as they would if the 750000 was real. You know, it, it was really hard. Um, my husband worked really hard on the project. So, um, you know, to own a smaller percentage of it, it you know, it's hard. But it's the right thing to do. And I think that's, I think, what I want to share. I'm sorry I'm getting emotional. <laughs> it's still yeah. uh, fairly recent. Yeah. But um, when you raise money, you have to do whatever it takes to protect people's money. And it's really hard because that means you put sometimes your own goals um, aside. But it's Absolutely. the right thing to do. And, um, and if you're not ready to do that, then you might not want to raise private money. Absolutely. And I, and I know raising private money is very, you know, sexy. It's very people, you know, my husband's written a book about it. So it's a, a very popular topic. But I, I just say this to all of you listening that um, you have to do whatever it takes to protect people's money. And if you're not willing to do that, or if it's just too hard to do that, then wait till you have enough money yourself. I mean, it's as simple as that. The second problem about covering their investors. Their solutions were to be honest with their investors or to be honest and give up a percentage of their investment. It's the cleanup part of the job they didn't sign up for, but they did it with integrity. They did it with honesty and they did it with grace. Liz's warning about weighing whether to forge ahead without making sure that you can protect other people's money It speaks to the age-old risk versus reward predicament. It's hard to plan for the worst when you're taking on any kind of risk. And Liz wants to make sure you know just how badly things can get without having anything to do with you. You can only prepare yourself for so much. The lesson here is not in how much to prepare yourself or whether to move forward if this or that could happen. The value in what Liz shared is how she and her husband handled the disaster. Too many folks give up or look away or become determined to quit and get out of what they're doing altogether. The DeRosa co-founders handled it beautifully and we can all learn from the ways that they do business. You don't call, you don't write, why not do both? Text me at 708 708- 872-7878 and you can leave me a message there so that I can talk to you in a future episode. Then go to ratethispodcast.com slash why are we shouting and leave a review. Pretty please. It helps other listeners discover these entrepreneurial stories so that they can build better businesses. Shout out to Lindsay, Aaron, and Liz for making this podcast with me. Want to find all the goodness that is her biz? Find our community for women real estate investors at therealestateinvesther.com. That's therealestateinvesther.com. Hey, thanks to you for listening. I'll see you next week. <laughs>